0: Welcome to DT Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm DT Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Far Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at DTKane.com. Here's the show. Chapter 18 They traveled through the reach for several more uneventful days. They'd often see the fire of worms in the distance, but they never got close enough for serious concern. At night, Baz now lit their fires unassisted with the spell Deliritus had given him. Rox spent his evenings fashioning the teeth of the worm he'd killed into a necklace, whittling away at them with his belt knife. That left Baz and Deliritus to themselves, which was mostly awkward. Rox had obviously twisted Deliritus's arm into showing the trust he had in Baz, and the Torchsire heir eyed Baz warily every time he'd move to renew their fire. Still, they had some conversation. On occasion, Deliritus even seemed close to treating Baz like a normal person. You ever wonder what it will be like when we get back? Delirtus asked one evening. Bess shrugged. I don't expect much is going to change for me. Delirtus laughed at that. Not much going to change? Well, you're in for a shock if we win, young Bastion. We'll be the talk of erstwhile for the next year. Appearances, galas, maybe even a diplomatic trip to fortune. In other words, more work. Baz said. Where's your sense of adventure, Bastion? Adventure was a sure path to premature loss of breathing. Baz would be content if he never had an adventure again. But we're a long way from fantasizing about that yet, I suppose, Delirtus said. Still need to get to Tome and find us a book first. Only that, huh? No need to shower me with your pessimism, Bastion. I know full well how difficult it will be. "'Still, it's hard not to indulge thoughts now and then "'about the look on Father's face "'when I return with a book "'the likes of which has never been seen before.' "'Baz shook his head. "'Even after everything that had happened, "'Deliritus was still driven "'by that insatiable desire to impress the Duke. "'Strangely, Baz actually found himself a bit jealous. "'He'd never known his parents,' "'never felt the satisfaction of their pride in him. "'What sort of book will we find, I wonder?' "'Deliritus said, looking off into the distance.' "'Baz kept silent, as he didn't have anything to say "'that Deliritus would wish to hear. "'For as many success stories as there were, "'like Excal Library finding that book that grew potato crops, "'there were ten winners of the most mundane kind.' Last year's champion had found a new copy of a book with the same firestarter spell Deliritus had just permitted Baz to use. Useful, but nothing new. Others would bring back similarly repetitious volumes, such as books that boiled water or mended clothes or healed minor cuts. Some years, not many, but some, every competitor had returned empty-handed. It wasn't as if there were just shelves of books sitting around a tome anymore. You were searching for needles in haystacks, paper and rubble. "'You know, even if we don't win,' Deliritus said, "'things won't be the same. I'll have more uses for you, Bastion.' "'More uses? Well, I mean, I won't use your speaking so sparingly as I once did. I think we've come to something of an understanding these past days, wouldn't you say?' I suppose Baz replied, though only because that seemed the only safe answer he'd been annoyed over the years at deliratus's lack of trust in him, but now that he seemed to be getting some, Baz was simply concerned for different reasons. Did he really want Deliratus to trust him? Could Baz trust himself if Deliratus actually began to put him in positions where he could do Deliratus harm if Baz wished? They'd gotten along out of necessity since the trials had begun, but Baz hadn't forgotten who Deliritus was, what he'd done. Baz went to sleep with a cold pit in his stomach that night. The following day they reached the Inkwell River, marking the end of the Reach and the beginning of the Firelands. Baz had been looking forward to a bath, but the Inkwell's waters stank of sulfur and were brackish in appearance, full of filthy runoff from the swamps that made up the firelands. So instead of a cleansing, they crossed the river without even dismounting. The bridge across the inkwell was built of stone, finished in wrought iron railings. Iron fencing ran along the stone on either side as they crossed. Each post tipped in a spiked point. It was nearly as tall as they were, even mounted, as if the builders had feared creatures jumping from the inkwell's depths and attacking folk as they crossed. For all Baz knew, there was a credible possibility of that happening. Who could say what sort of foul creatures those murky waters had spawned in the centuries since the burning? Baz pressed his heels into his horse to move it along, Deliritus must have felt similarly ill at ease, for he urged his mount on as well without comment, and of course rocks followed right behind Deliritus. It was certainly just Baz's imagination, but as soon as they reached the far side of the bridge, their surroundings seemed to darken. The Firelands had once been a glorious retreat of hot, freshwater springs and lush greenery, But the burning had ruined that, turning the landscape into a boggy wasteland. They all stopped their mounts at once, taking in the scene that lay before them. The road was still paved, but in ill repair. Leaving it, however, was not an option. There was no telling where the muck to either side might give way and suck you under. Bubbles of gas occasionally formed on the swampy surface all around them, bursting in dark green splats some accompanied by small gouts of flame legend was that the gas was produced from the decay of all the bodies killed by the burning baz doubted there was actual fact to support that tale but he wasn't about to investigate the swamps to find out the air was full of the sound of swishing water like deliritus washing the night from his mouth in the morning That thought might have made Baz laugh under different circumstances, but the permanence of the sound made the marshlands seem a living thing with a pulse all their own, and that certainly didn't put Baz in a joking mood. The landscape was as flat and sullen as Baz felt, punctuated only by the occasional dead tree or rock formation sticking from the swampy depths. Well... It's not all that bad, Deliritus said with a nervous laugh. At least we won't fall into any worm pits here. Rox rumbled at the back of his throat. It might have been a chuckle. Good, the harbour said, a truth to hide another truth. He rumbled again, definitely amused. Baz wished he could say the same of himself. But the other truth to which Rox referred was that there were far worse things in the firelands than worms. There was nothing for them to do but press on. Aside from the remnants of the great road on which they traveled, the firelands were completely untraversable. Of course, they could be bypassed entirely by backtracking to Hamlet and taking the way north through the emerald woods, but that option was long gone to them, They'd been going for nearly two weeks now. To go back to Hamlet, then back through the Emerald Woods, would be another two weeks, then at least another week to get to Tome. They'd never make it back to erstwhile in time. Before they rode on, Deliritus handed out the cloaks he'd mentioned earlier. They were a blend of gray and forest-green fabrics, matching the general pallor of their surroundings. Despite his attempted good cheer, Baz noted that the didn't remove his supposedly fire-resistant cloak instead, draping the camouflage over it. Baz did the same. In fact, it didn't even occur to him to take off Lyanna's cloak. Despite the oppressive surroundings, their first day in the Firelands was uneventful. The worst thing that happened was a gas bubble popping right beside the road, splattering them all in viscous but harmless swamp goo. Between spluttering coughs, Baz had initially yelled curses to the scribes, having gotten some of the muck up his nose. But once he saw Deliritus, long yellow hair stuck in clumpy strands and jutting out at odd angles, he just began cackling. Deliratus had looked at him indignantly, of course— But after a few moments, even he couldn't keep the smile off his mouth. Rocks had rumbled along with them. The next day began with more of the same. Bass had almost grown used to the pulsing gurgle of the swamp, the sound being reduced to general background noise in his mind. Around noon, they came to a slight curve in the road, where it wound about a large formation of tan rock jutting out of the swamp. A flat area of dry land sat in the formation's shadow, creating the first significant opportunity to pull off from the main road since they'd entered the Firelands. Ah, here it is, the Lyritis said, sounding pleased. Torchsire Roost! Actus Torchsire rested his men here on his famed campaign to Tome that began the second burning. "'You know, there'd be a lot more books for us to find at Tome if he hadn't done that,' Baz said dryly. Actus Torchsire had emptied Tome of most of its books on that campaign, then spent the next decade scouring the wilds and either confiscating or destroying spoken books not in the Triumvirate's possession.' don't be so down, young bastion. If it weren't for my ancestors' efforts, we'd still be living in a society of chaos without rules ensuring only those worthy are able to read. Deliritus was apparently sufficiently caught up in the nostalgia of the place that he didn't even realize the slight he just leveled against Baz. Baz rolled his eyes, but let it go at that. At best, Raising the point would lead to an awkward conversation, where Deliritus would attempt to make a veiled apology while still attempting to justify Reader's place at the top of society's pyramid. "'We'll stop here for our midday break,' Deliritus said. "'This may be my only chance to see this place.' They hobbled the horses, and Baz found a nice rock to lie against, perhaps get a little extra rest. Deliritus limping about on an improvised crutch he'd made from a thick tree branch, headed toward where the rock formation began to slope upward. Rocks followed close behind him, of course. Baz enjoyed the relative quiet, lounging in the shade. The slushing of the swamp almost seemed a gentle song to him now, lulling him to ease. He could almost pick out individual words, it seemed, whispering for him to be calm and that this was a safe place. He smiled, letting his eyelids fall shut. He was halfway through taking a deep breath when he sat bolt upright. Was it just his imagination, or were there actually words hiding within the background noise of the bog? Something tugged at his mind, saying that he was being ridiculous, overly paranoid, but that feeling just made him pay attention all the more. Murmured words could be more dangerous than an assassin's blade. In the end, it was the ear-splitting roar that convinced Baz there was actually a problem. The sound shook the ground, sending small bits of gravel tumbling down the jutting formation of Torchsire Roost. Unfortunately, as Baz looked up, he realized it wasn't only being used as a roost for a torch sire and his companions, for sitting atop the formation was a black dragon. It must have been nestled out of sight on the formation's other side when they'd approached, but it was in full view now. It sat on two powerful back legs, each taller than rocks. While dragons had supposedly grown smaller in the centuries since the burning, This one apparently had not been informed of the trend. It was easily twice as long as the worm they'd faced earlier, a ridge of spikes running along the length of its spine, culminating in two sharp horns atop its head. Its eyes glowed purple as it released another howl that was like the high-pitched wail of a thousand mistuned violins. This gave Baz a prime view straight down the creature's gullet and into the fiery depths within. And yet all of that was secondary to what was on the monstrosity. Sitting on its neck, right behind the two spiked horns protruding from its skull, was a man, a man in a blood-red shirt edged in violet, Hilar Xavier. Trunnel sat behind him, arms wrapped around Hellar's waist. Podium around his neck, with an open book upon it, Hellar was reciting from the volume, and the speaker's lips moved to repeat the words. Perhaps feeling Baz's stare, Hellar looked up, murmuring a few words to Trunnell, who kept chanting, obviously repeating the same phrase over and over likely whatever spell of manipulation it was that they were using to seduce the dragon. Trunnel's eyes found Baz's own for an instant and seemed to hold regret, but Trunnel quickly looked away, bowing his head deep in concentration, sweat rolling down his face. Ah, speaker of torch sire, Hilar said, having to shout so Baz could hear. You'll have to forgive me, I've forgotten your name. Actually, I'm not sure I ever knew it. A strange practice, naming property as Deliritus does. Ordinarily, Baz would have glared at Hellar in reply, but that seemed laughably inadequate given that he was staring down the snout of a beast that could kill him with a sigh. So instead he just gulped and continued to stare up at the ridiculously giant monster and the equally ridiculous reality of two men riding it. Hellar looked away from Baz, who followed the Xavier heir's gaze to find Deliritus hobbling back from the rock formation with rocks. He was close to where they'd left the horses, still a good hundred yards or so from where Baz had lain down to rest. Ah, Deliritus... "'Hellar said, entirely too casual for the situation. "'I must say, you're more resourceful than Marla and I gave you credit for. "'Personally, I just assumed you'd limped back to erstwhile "'after the unfortunate business with your leg. "'But when I saw smoke from a campfire on the horizon a few days past, "'I knew it must be you. "'So when I acquired this new mount,' he waved down to the dragon, oily smile tugging at the edges of his mouth. I figured I'd best make sure I stopped you for certain this time. Deliritus's eyes darted to Baz, then back up to Hellar. He said a few quiet words to Rox, inching closer to the mounts. Rox seemed to disagree with something Deliritus said, but Deliritus reiterated with a hand gesture, and Rox nodded. Hellar. Thelirtus said. Certainly we can work this through without any violence. You'll reach home days before us with that dragon. Just leave us be, and you'll have found your book before we're even through the Firelands and across the Weeping Plains. Hmm, I think not, Hellar said, as if bored. See, I lost my harbor, and while Marla was convinced it was a dragon, I'm not so certain." Baz's breath caught. Had Hellar figured out his secret? You found some way to murmur a spell to your speaker. Maybe you even permitted him to memorize parts of it. Risky, that, but terribly effective, I must admit. I loved Arrow more than my favorite hunting hounds. So no, fair is fair. You take something from me, I take something from you. Now, in any story Baz had ever heard, the enemy would have continued talking, giving the good guys time to come up with a plan. But Helar was no fairy tale villain, and Deliritus certainly didn't deserve the moniker of Good Guy. Helar looked over his shoulder and said something to Trunnel, who had been chanting all this time. Now, the words changed slightly, and the dragon inhaled deeply. So here it was, Baz thought. This was what the decision to help Deliritus would get him, burned to a crisp and dead as one of the Duke's steak dinners. He'd been so eager to rid himself of Deliritus' cloak earlier, but once more wished he hadn't. Maybe it would have offered some protection from the inferno that was about to envelop him. The dragon began to speak destruction in guttural tones, deeper than even Rox's voice, each word with an edge that prodded Baz's ears like spears. Their meaning was clear enough. Woe and destruction upon thee, puny man! You will burn! A cry of pain caused Baz to look away from his impending doom and back toward Deliritus. Rox had hoisted him into the saddle, wrenching Deliritus's leg in the process. The next moment, Rox had slashed the mount's hobbles with his razor, and Deliritus was galloping toward Baz, lying low on the horse's neck. There was a spoken book tucked under one of his arms. Rox ran in the opposite direction and, to Baz's extreme surprise, dove straight off the road and into the bog. Baz! Deliritus cried. Listen! Then, without pause, Deliritus recited a short phrase in the language of destruction, shouting over top of the dragon's words, No Stop Rune. As far as destructive spells went, it was actually a fairly eloquent one, missing much of the language's harsh consonants and barbed vowels. The spell for drying the air... That had to be it. It was a fragile hope indeed, Deliritus was offering. They'd never even experimented to see if it would do what Deliritus suggested, stop fire by removing the essential ingredient of air upon which it fed. But a small hope is better than none at all. Baz ran a hand across the brim of his hat in nervous anticipation, wondering if this was the last moment he'd ever get to appreciate wearing the thing. The dragon's speaking ceased, and its head lurched forward, belching out a jet of flame. Baz cried out the words Deliritus had uttered, feeling the power of the book Deliritus held and focusing on the area a few feet above his head. The flames arrived at the same instant Deliritus did, charging in on his horse. The spell did have some effect. Through the heat haze, Baz saw a part of the fiery barrage sizzle into steam as it hit the area upon which he'd focused, but it wasn't nearly enough to stop the might of a fully mature dragon. The fire enveloped Deliritus and the horse, tossing the animal off its feet. Baz rolled to the side, mostly avoiding the animal's bulk, though it glanced off his leg as it landed. Pain lanced into Baz's pelvis as his hip popped at the impact. Deliritus was sprawled a short distance away, unmoving, cloak burning like a torch. Baz lay motionless, afraid to even think of breathing. For many long heartbeats, there was no sound other than the continued murmurs from Hellar's influencer. Then, a rumble of crumbling stone and a curse— "'Keep control of it, speaker. Keep!' Hellar's words were cut off with more tumbling stone. For a few moments, Baz thought the Xavier reader might have been thrown from the dragon's back. But then he heard Hellar cursing at Trunnel once more. A few seconds later, there was the beating of giant wings, and a shadow fell over Baz. He opened an eye just wide enough to see the dragon flying away, Hellar and Trunnel both still on its back. When the dragon was no more than a dark speck in the sky, Baz pulled himself free of the dead horse and crawled over to Deliritus. His back was a bloody mess of burns, and the fabric of his cloak had burned straight through and melted into flesh. Little good that cloak had done him. The spoken book with the spell Deliritus had shouted to Baz was a pile of ash between two cracked pieces of leather beside the Torchsire heir's outstretched hand. Baz rolled Deliritus over and winced at the burn marks along the sides of his face, red and blistering. His chest was still. Deliritus Torchsire had sacrificed himself. "'sacrificed himself to protect the life of a speaker.'" All right. Hello out there. Welcome back to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Today is Saturday, April 16th, 2022, as I record this, and this is episode 14 of the podcast uh it's release week or weekend anyway for declaimers discovery part two of the spoken books uprising and it has been uh a success uh so far and there's still a um, still a bunch of time left here to the weekend uh actus trials has hit the top 20 of uh classic fantasy ebooks on amazon which is uh exciting not quite a number one bestseller but i guess a top 20 bestseller right so that's something um and uh declaimers discovery is also selling well too uh if you've been waiting to grab an ebook copy of the actus trials now is a good time because it is uh currently only 99 cents so uh if you've got a buck to spare you can pick up your very own ebook copy of the actus trials um just so uh you understand the business plan (coughs) little more generally um, even on release weekends you don't you don't put a ton of advertising into the the book that's releasing if it's you know not the number one in a series you you advertise the first one and then you hope people read read on because advertising the second book um, isn't a great way to attract new readers <laughs> right because they're not going to read the second book so that's why the uh, the Ectus trials has hit the uh, has hit the top 20 because that's where i'm putting my advertising focus this weekend. Um, alright. So, in addition to the release, work is also continuing on new writing. Had a down week last weekend. Or really last week, because I was getting everything ready to go for the release of Declaimers Discovery. But uh now I'm back in uh, full swing and plugging away on part four of the Spoken Books Uprising. Um and that's going well. I think I just eclipsed 40,000 words of the draft, uh, actually this morning when I was writing, so plugging away on that. Uh, part three, which is called Declaimer's Flight, is also now officially with my editor, so, uh, on track for that to release on June 17th, and, uh, the pre-order for part three is also officially live now, so, uh, Feel free to get your orders in now if you're, uh, if you're eagerly eagerly awaiting the third installment of the story. <clears throat> uh, and then lastly, before we launch into our discussion here, uh, I had a nice birthday last weekend, and thanks to all of uh, you out there who uh, wished me a happy birthday. I appreciate it. Uh, this was big number 35 for me. I uh, spent the day in Buffalo, uh, that's Buffalo, New York. Uh, for those of you who don't know, with my parents, sister, her boyfriend, and uh, Mrs. Kane, we uh, went to the botanical gardens, which was uh, quite quite lovely. saw lots of lots of exotic plants there. Uh, made it feel like it's uh, feel like it's getting to be spring around here, even if it's still a little colder than I would like it to be here in Western New York. Uh, then we went and visited a couple breweries. And had a nice dinner, and I did get my new pair of running shoes, like I said I was hoping last week, and they're orange, which is awesome because I really enjoy the color orange. (laughs) So uh, there you go. Actually, I just got back from a run in those new shoes before I sat down to record this. Um, Okay, so let's launch into our analysis and discussion. Of chapter 18, uh, careful what you wish for, the first heading here. Uh, we open with our trio uh, traveling on through the Reach, rather uneventful journey the rest of the way after their encounter with the worm last week and Rox's uh, near-death experience. Rox is spending his nights creating a necklace from the teeth of that worm, uh, which kind of forces Baz and the to talk to one another <laughs> at nights around the campfire uh, Delirtis really seems to be coming around to Baz, uh, don't you think? You know, he kind of admits to him in one of these conversations, you know, even if they don't win the trials, he's going to start using Baz more than he, than he was in the past. So he's kind of overcoming his fear, it seems, of, of Baz trying to seek revenge on him, uh, even if he is maybe still a bit nervous around Baz still. Uh, interesting, this actually troubles Baz, right? You know, GC's been uh, criticizing Deliritus in the past here for not trusting him enough, but now Baz is kind of wondering if he can really trust himself if Deliritus starts putting all this trust in him, um, you know, and putting him in a position where Baz may actually <laughs> have an opportunity to take revenge. You know, he has not forgotten what Deliritus did to his brother, but, you know, I think just the fact that Baz is troubled, uh, by this and uncertain shows some change in his character, right? You know, I think at the beginning of the story, Baz, Baz would not have been stressing out over the prospect of being in a position to carry out revenge <coughs> on Delirtus, but, uh, but now he is, so things keep on changing here for, for Baz and, uh, that's going to continue here, right? Um, okay, so Bog Bubbles. That's our next section here. Uh, a few days pass, and our travelers reach the Inkwell River. Baz, uh, Baz has been saying he's ready for a bath, but it seems Inkwell is actually a pretty apt name uh, for the water here because it is brackish and discolored and certainly not something you want to go for a swim in. So they they skip the bathing and just uh, cross this bridge right over Into the Firelands, Uh, and those, they don't really sound like a very hospitable place, huh? No, they are a boggy wasteland, bubbles of gas that pop into gouts of flame, (laughs) you know? You have to stick to the road here or worry about being sucked under to your death, and there's this constant sound of swishing water, kind of like a, a, a pulsing heartbeat, a little bit like an Edgar Allan Poe poem here. Uh, Baz even notes this legend that the gas is caused by all the dead bodies beneath the bog that are left over from uh, the burning, you know. Baz, what does Baz say? Something like, you know, I, it's probably not true, but I'm not going to go exploring to find out, <laughs> right? You know, this is a decaying, dead place. Um, and certainly uh, pull, the pull-the-curtain segment pull back the curtain segment here this week uh this is this setting is kind of inspired by the dead marshes in uh the lord of the rings uh specifically the two it appears in the two towers uh in the books i i think it's in the two towers movie as well i don't remember if they moved it to the third movie or not but uh but regardless i wish my prose was a tenth as good as tolkien's was in, in describing the dead marshes um <clears throat> when i was writing this portion of the script i grabbed my copy of tolkien or actually you know looked up uh looked up the dead marshes on uh you know one of the fandom wikis online and here's just a quick passage from the two towers <clears throat> describing the dead marshes <clears throat> Dreary and wearisome, cold, clammy winter still held sway in this forsaken country. The only green was the scum of livid weed on the dark, greasy surfaces of the sullen waters. Dead grasses and rotting reeds loomed up in the mists like ragged shadows of long forgotten summers. <laughs> Man, uh, what an awesome description! Um, I guess you can you can see the similarities here, right? Certainly not in the writing. <laughs> uh, I'm not holding a candle here to Tolkien's prose, but uh, but at least in the images portraying, you can you can see the inspiration here for sure. Um, all right, and the dead bodies too, right? There are that quote didn't really capture it, but you know, there's this legend too of the uh, the dead bodies from the great battle that was fought. Uh, at the dead marshes in Lord of the Rings, <clears throat> uh, same as this apparent legend here about the dead bodies from the burning. You may remember from the movies, you know, Frodo falls into the water because he sees the dead bodies in there, and they kind of like seduce you into a uh, to uh, f- jumping to your death until a uh, Gollum pulls him out. So, certainly drawing some inspiration from Mr. Tolkien here. Um. Okay, so that's the, uh, that's the setting, and then obviously the, uh, the big, the big event of the chapter here. I knew there was a problem when I heard the roars. <laughs> so, they travel on through the Firelands, not much problem initially, right, other than the, the gas bubble popping and covering them all in slime, which sends Baz into a, uh, hysterical laughing fit. Even the Lyritus and Rocks, uh, join in with him, uh, chuckling along here. So, you know, our, our trio here is getting along, it would seem. Um, maybe brought together a little closer after uh, the ordeal with the worm. So uh, the first day is uneventful in the Firelands. And then the uh, the next day they reach this rock formation that Deliritus calls Torchsire Roost, which uh, apparently is a famous landmark where uh, his ancestor uh, rested on his way to Tome to begin the second burning which uh, we previously learned was when uh, Actus Torchsire either destroyed or confiscated all the books he could find to consolidate their power amongst uh, the readers of the three remaining cities of Oration. Um, And for those of you keeping score, that is Erstwhile, Fortune, and Enigma, the three cities of the Triumvirate, the three big remaining cities in Oration. And we will continue to see references to those three cities throughout the rest of the book, and uh, as we move forward in the Spoken Books Uprising series. Uh, so Deliria just kind of goes off sightseeing, right? Uh, you know, oh, this might be the only chance I get to see this. You know, it's like a family, family landmark for Delirta. So he goes exploring, um, limping around on this imp- improvised crutches made. You know, and Baz tries to catch some Z's, right? <laughs> just kind of goes and uh, lays down a little distance away from the horses. But uh Baz is never one to really accept a good thing, right? You know, <laughs> he worries that perhaps he's being lulled into a false sense of security, uh, which actually turns out to be entirely accurate um in this sense, because what does he find perched on this giant rock formation when he turns around? It's a big dragon. I have big in capital letters here, because remember, Delirtus said most dragons are not very large, these days, because they don't got much to eat out in the Firelands anymore. But uh, this dragon did not get the memo, uh, apparently. And uh, it's also not just a dragon, right? But there are two men riding it, uh, Helar and Trunnel. So Helar, uh, Xavier, one of the competing readers. You know, we haven't seen him since he betrayed Tlirtis, uh with Marla back in, what was that, chapter 10 or so. Uh, and Trunnel is his influencer. Remember his harbor died when Baz shot that shadow hex at him. Um, but so we certainly hear we certainly see here the great power of having an influencer on the trials now, right? <laughs> um, remember Baz noted towards back towards the beginning, uh, it was kind of weird that he bought an influencer instead of a, uh, you know, a creator who could potentially uh, cast healing spells or a destroyer who can, you know attack your opponents. But uh, he is certainly putting the influencer here to good use now. No harbor speaker is going to stand up to this dragon. <laughs> uh, apparently, Hilar saw uh, saw the smoke from uh, their fire. That's Baz and Deliritus' and Roxas' fire. And he decided he needed to properly take Deliritus out of the trials now, uh, or at least get back at him. It, interesting here, it doesn't seem that Hellar is intending to attack Deliritus himself. He is respecting The trial's rule of not killing your competitors, but sort of an eye for an eye. Uh, um, An eye for an eye, you know, so to speak. Here, eye for an eye scheme, I guess. Uh, Hellar reveals that he believes the Lyritus somehow read a spell to Baz, and that's what killed his harbor. Um, So now he is going to repay the favor by killing Baz. Um... Right, so apparently Hilar has had some time to think it over and doesn't really believe that there was actually a shadow breather or a shadow dragon in that clearing. But, you know, he doesn't think Baz is a cuss. He just thinks the somehow got Baz to repeat a spell. So uh, uh, Hilar changes the spell he's reading to Trunnel. And uh, apparently the spell... the uh, the spell changes to tell the dragon to to breathe fire at Baz here but uh, all the change we've seen in Delirtus kind of comes to a head here he isn't just going to stand by and watch Baz get fried uh Rox tries to stop him you uh, there's a note there where they Baz sees Rox and Delirtus kind of arguing for a minute we don't hear what they say but uh you know Delirtus is not having any of it um, you know, and Rox ends up helping Deliritas get onto his mount, and then Rox jumps into the bog, right, which um, presumably is so Hilar can't turn the dragon on Rox and kill him too. Um, But, so, Rox hoists Deliritas up onto his horse, and he gallops to try to save Baz, and he shouts out a spell uh, for Baz to cast as he does so and uh it's this spell he's mentioned before the one that sucks sucks the oxygen out of the air and the theory kind of being well if you suck the oxygen out of the air the fire is not uh going uh to ignite or i guess you won't have fire <clears throat> in the first place sorry i'm not uh <laughs> not much of a scientist here but uh you know if you put yeah you, you cover up the candle uh it goes out that's because you're taking the oxygen away so same theory here, and it does... It's semi-successful, right? It deflects some of the dragon's fiery breath away, but not nearly enough. Um, but Delirtus does reach Baz in time, so delirtus actually shields him, knocks knocks Baz over, horse kind of, like, lands on Baz and hurts his leg. But Baz doesn't get burned, uh, but delirtus does. He takes the brunt of the dragon's fiery breath here. Um, and... Baz plays dead until he hears the dragon fly away um, with Hellar and Trunnel still on its back, and then he crawls over to delirtus who is burned all over so badly his clothing is melting into his skin um, and his chest isn't moving. You know, Baz sort of goes into a uh, shock here. You know, delirtus sacrificed himself for a speaker. You know, Baz, Baz can't. Uh, can't believe it! After spending his whole life kind of despising the Liritis. did he really just sacrifice himself to to save Bass? Um, and that is where we end for today. A little, little bit shorter than some of our previous episodes here, but um, I think it's still a still a decent decent size. And uh, next week we'll be back to reading two chapters. So, chapters nineteen and twenty. Next week will uh, will be your homework assignment. Uh, is Deliratus really dead? Uh, and Rox hits us with some deep enigma philosophy. So we'll be returning to uh, D.T. Kane's uh, epic philosophy book club next week for uh, for a time. Uh, and then our heroes run into yet another obstacle. It just keeps getting better and better for them. So tune in next week, and uh, if you don't have a chance to do your homework just remember that's okay because <clears throat> I will be doing it all for you and more on the next episode. Uh, all right. This week's quest, uh, in honor of declaimers discovery releasing this week. Uh, what's your favorite book two or sequel? I guess this could be a book or a movie. Uh, declaimers discovery is obviously the sequel to the Actus trials. thus the, uh, the impetus for this question. So send your answers to dtkane at dtkane.com as always, and I will uh, share some of them next week on the show. And as always, we will close with our fantasy quote of the week, which I've also started putting in the newsletter. And I write like, a, I don't think you can really call it an essay, but a, a paragraph or two with my thoughts on the quote. But this week's comes from uh, Ursula K. Le Guin, the, uh, the very famous fantasy and sci-fi author. This is from a collection of essays that she wrote called The, the Wave in the Mind Talks and Essays on the Writer, the Reader, and the Imagination. And the quote is, <clears throat> People who deny the existence of dragons are often eaten by dragons from within um wow obviously <laughs> uh applicable to the podcast episode this week which uh had a surprise dragon in it but uh definitely some deeper meaning here um you know i think the dragons in this quote are probably representing kind of those those deep desires that many of us have but we kind of ignore so we are you know we're denying the existence of what we really uh want to do and the more we do that the uh you know those desires fester and our resentment over not actually being able to do them uh grows and grows until we become you know kind of jaded or dissatisfied with our circumstances and sadly i think a lot of people never really uh you know admit what they really want to do um so that regret is always with them so uh, you know, go and fly with your dragons out there, <laughs> people. What do you really want to do? And figure out how you can get it done. And don't let yourself be consumed by the uh by the regret of of uh denying the existence of your of your dragon or your your dream. So there you go. Quote of the week. Hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. We will see you next week. Still, they had some conversation. Just making sure that mic is on. (laughs) The dragon began to speak destruction in guttural tones, deeper than even Rox's voice. Each word with an edge that prodded Baz's ears like spears. (coughs) Ears like spears, man! That's a stupid rhyme and totally unintentional. <clears throat> Thanks for listening to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. If you liked today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up if you liked it and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available. If you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes, visit dtkanecom podcast D. T. Kane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com/books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for D. T. Kane's mailing list at dtkane.com/email-signup. If you'd like to connect, you can find D. T. Kane on Facebook at D. T. Kane Author or Twitter at D. T. Kane Author, or send D. T. Kane an email at dtkane at dtkane@dtkane.com. See you next week.